0: A lot of you have noticed that I got a haircut, (laughs) and the reason for that is, uh, you know, I try to go up one week a month to work just to make sure I can still pose as a lawyer, Um, and so I was supposed to fly up Tuesday uh, and come back late Thursday night, and and then God intervened, and there's a blizzard that's going to hit New York City and northern New Jersey, and we will get somewhere in the area of 18 inches of snow. So I'm not going. It's so good to be at that stage where you can just say, I'm not going. I thank God for that. I'm not going. I prefer to be here anyway. So, we have been studying the Holy Spirit, understanding who the Holy Spirit is. And if you've been with us the last four weeks as we've been on this subject, we've, we've got a couple more weeks to go uh, as you have the new outline on that. And, and as I said, uh, in this study, the Holy Spirit is an entity Every bit a real entity, just as Jesus is and God the Father is. Uh, As we understand it, just as we try to put human words to these difficult subjects, Uh, a a personage in that sense, Uh, with a personality, understanding you, an entity, not a metaphysical force, but a real entity. Uh, As we understand the Trinity, one-third being the Holy Spirit. And I told you it's like water. Water can be a liquid. It can be a solid or it can be a vapor. It's all God. Uh, And we understand that that's exactly what the Holy Spirit is, fully God. And so now we're going to talk about understanding the fruit of the Spirit. What is the the role of the Holy Spirit? When we are sealed with the Holy Spirit, when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, and as I told you right from the beginning, you're spirit-filled, Remember that. You're spirit-filled. You've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You've been sealed with the Holy Spirit on that day that you gave him your heart and he took over your life. And so you're sealed with him. And what does that mean now in terms of the fruit of the Spirit? What is the fruit of the Spirit? Uh, And what does it all mean for us as we grow as Christians? And what is the difference between the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit? And one of the things that we're going to learn today is that the fruit of this Spirit is within each and every one of you. It is the reproduced character of Jesus Christ. That's what the Holy Spirit wants. And so you have that within you. And as we study this, I know you're going to look at this and say, John, are you sure I have this within me? And I'm going to say you do. Uh, And the essence now becomes, is the Holy Spirit bringing it out of you? Or have you spent a lifetime suppressing it? and not giving into it, because it is the reproducible character of Jesus Christ. It is the very essence of what draws the world to Jesus. It's not your words that's, that are going to bring people to Jesus Christ. It is your life. My dad used to say all the time from the pulpit, every single one of us have, have an obligation to spread the news of Jesus Christ to a lost world. And sometimes... That means you even need to use words. Sometimes you need to use words. That's right. Because most of the time, it's not the words that's spreading the news of Jesus Christ. It's the evidence of your life. And that's what we're going to focus about today, the evidence in your life of what this means. And so as we study this subject, it's a great subject, very deep, uh, and we're going to spend a couple weeks on this. Linda asked me, do I, did I think I'd get through the outline this today? And you know, I never really know. Uh, I can assure you, based on the 8 o'clock class, no, we're not. All right? We're not going to get through it. Um, and, and so it's such a, a profound subject. So each and every one of you have all of the fruits of the Spirit that we're going to go through. You have them all, because that's how the Holy Spirit works. It is one combined fruit. Uh, And it's uh, impacted in a number of ways. But all of the fruit is within you. As distinguished from the gifts of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit are different. We don't all have all the gifts. The gifts of the Spirit are divided up by God as God determines appropriate. That means there are some preachers. There are some teachers. There are some people who have the gift of encouragement. Or the gift of helps or the gift of administration. The gifts are divided amongst the people of God as God determines appropriate. The gifts are given irrespective of repentance, meaning that there's some, it's very difficult to understand why certain people have certain gifts, okay? It's not giving gifts because you're a really holy person. If God has given you a gift in whatever regard it is, you need to be assured that God didn't give it to you because you're righteous. He didn't give it to you because you're holy. As God is using you to preach or to speak or to teach, and you begin to get elevated in your mind, brother and sister, I want you to know something. He didn't give you that gift because you were a so-called good, holy Christian. He gave it to you because only God knows why he gives these gifts to certain people. And I can tell you in my own life, the last thing I thought I would ever be was a teacher slash preacher. The last thing. My wife was saying it this morning as we drove to church in the darkness. (laughs) Seven o'clock in the morning, we leave our house. All we see is the light of the moon. In fact, it was a power outage downtown Naples. Honestly, there was. We had no power. Luckily, we have a generator in our house, so there's no power. The streets are blacked out. All you see is the moon. Uh, And so we're driving to church. You look on the side of the road, you see these creatures with their big eyes looking out at you. Uh, And I said to her, Did you ever think, did you ever think that we would be involved uh, in preaching? She says, Are you kidding me? (laughs) She says, You know that's the last thing you ever wanted, the last thing I ever wanted. You know that. I said, you know, I wonder if, if people really realize, realize that. you know. But here's the thing, you see, this is how the Holy Spirit works. You don't seek the gift. You don't ask for the gift. The gift is given irrespective of all those things. Only God knows. And why God did it to me after I'd spent a career practicing law? I don't know. The only thing that I can figure is that somehow God said, you know, you took 50 or 45 years learning how to be a lawyer. Now I can use those things to spread the gospel of Jesus. I can't say it any other way. I don't understand it. I bow in submission to Him. But it's only when you bow in submission to God that you understand that He may have given you a gift, that you bow in submission to God, that God elevates the gift. When you put yourself first, that somehow you determine that you're involved, it's your thing, God's never gonna use you. He will never use you. He'll never use a proud, arrogant man. There's not one proud, arrogant man that's God used in the Bible. You find it, bring it to me, because I haven't seen it. But instead, it's the issue of submission and humility. And so that's why we study this. That's why we study these the issue of the gifts. And so you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you receive the fruit of the Spirit. Let's turn to Galatians chapter 5. Our brother Paul is going to speak eloquently on this subject. Here he is, the Pharisee of Pharisees, the man who, who despised Christians, who meets Jesus on the road to Damascus, who become the author of two-thirds of the New Testament, who has received his understanding of theology directly from Jesus, which I'd say is pretty good, right? And so now we're going to read Galatians 5, verse 22. Actually, we'll start with 19 as we get the contrast. You're going to get the juxtaposition of things from the world as distinguished from things from God, the fruit of the Spirit. Verse 19, the acts of sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I said this morning in the class, when I read that list, I bow my head because I can say that a lot of that hits me, okay? I'm sorry to say, a lot of it hits me before I fully gave my life to Jesus Christ. And sometimes even now, even as I give my life to Jesus Christ, sometimes the dirt comes up and sticks on your clothes. Can I get an amen on that? I know I'm not alone. But now look what he says. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. How's that? There it is. If that's how you're living, if that's your God, that's what you think is appropriate for you, you are outside the will of God. You're outside the will of God. But the fruit of the Spirit... And here it comes, the fruit demonstrating that you've been sealed in the Holy Spirit, that you've been saved and given your heart to Jesus Christ, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. What an amazing list of qualities. And so, brothers and sisters, I want to assure you right now that every single one of those qualities is in residence in your spirit right now because you're sealed with the Holy Spirit. Now, I know what you're saying. You're saying to me, oh, John, you're way off the mark on this, because there's some things here that I have got a big problem. For example, I see, the, I see patients. See, uh, this, is, this is where I think when they were handing out patients, I got into the wrong line, uh, because <laughs> this is one of the issues that, that, I, that I've always suffered for, with. I am an impatient person. Uh, and, uh, and I ask God to help to make me more patient. But it's one of the things that I have to, you know, be under the Holy Spirit and ask for guidance. And so you see this list, and so what I'm saying to you, there's one fruit. It's not individual fruits. God didn't just give a patient Christian, and then a loving Christian, or a gentle Christian, and then a kind Christian that doesn't work that way in the gifts. He's given you all of this fruit. Every single one of you has this entirely within your heart. And so as you understand this and say, why? Why is because the Holy Spirit has determined that the reason that you are saved is to reproduce the character of Jesus Christ in your life. Let me repeat that. The reason that you are saved is to reproduce the character of Jesus Christ in your life. So that when you walk in this world and you navigate an evil world, people will look at you and see something that they are confounded with. They've never seen people that are loving, or gentle, or patient, or kind, or generous. And something about you will ignite their heart and they will say, I want to be like her, I want to be like him. And that is what draws people to Jesus Christ and what makes us followers. And so this is important. You have within you the very character of Jesus Christ. Now, some of us have spent lifetimes turning it down. You understand what I mean? Just turning it down, turning it down. Uh, not, not praying, not seeking God, not studying the Bible, but instead, instead getting ourselves involved in, in this world and all the issues of this world. And so now God is calling you. He's trying to educate you, bringing this to your attention. You have the ability to turn this back on and to ask the Holy Spirit to lift up this fruit in your life, and he will do that. He will honor you. And so as you study this list, love leads the list. It's an unbelievable list. The greatest qualities and characteristics that the world has ever known. But first on the list of spiritual fruit is love. And the very definition of God is love. I want you to turn to 1 John, 1 John chapter 4. Let's look at verse 7. 1 John chapter 4. It's the epistle of John, chapter 4, verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God. has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. And there it is. There's the essence of what God expects from you, to see the reflection of the love of God in your life. God loved us so much that he determined that the only way we would come into the family of God is if he put Jesus Christ, his son, on the cross. Can you imagine love that is that significant? Can you imagine what it had to be for the creator of the universe to see God, his son, on the cross, being persecuted and suffering as humanity turns against him, and yet he let it be done, and yet that was his will? That is how profound God's love is. It is way beyond any understanding of human love. There is no human love like God's love. And so when you understand the aspect of love, when you see what God has done for you, and and that imbues your life and everything you do, you cannot but give love to other people. And here's the thing, if you don't find that you have this love in your heart, you need to get on your knees and ask the Holy Spirit to address this need in your life. If you're a Christian, if you're saved, if you've given Jesus Christ your heart, this love sits in your heart. And so you need to, you need to address this, situ- this situation and understand how significant God has expressed his love. This is the nature of the love that we're talking about. The fruit of the Spirit that lies within your very heart. Now, the greatest of all the virtues, all of all the things that we talked about, all of the fruit, the greatest of all of it is love. Turn, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Let's look, if you would, at, at uh, verse 13. And this is also called the love chapter. This is a chapter that's often read at, at weddings uh, and, and talks about the significance of love. Uh, and at the end of it, after he, he speaks about love and what love means, in, chap- in verse 13 in this chapter, he says the following. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love uh, and divine love gives us its character the nature of divine love and so this is important as you begin to understand uh, the fruit of the Spirit that love comes first there, all of the other uh, fruit of the Spirit comes after love. You need to be imbued with the love of God. You need to be conscious of the fact that God saved you when you were outside His will, when you were at war with God. There was no reason God would save you because of your winsome personality. You didn't do anything to deserve to be saved. You didn't do anything to deserve to be saved. And moreover, let me say this, as you understand the theology on this, some of you might say, well, yes, I do deserve the fact that I asked God to save me. Wrong! Here's what happens. What you did is you recognized you were desperate and lost. And when that happens, God pours his grace into your heart. He gives you the grace to reach out to him. Because without the grace of Jesus Christ coming to you, even in that lost condition, you still wouldn't seek God. That's how lost we are as human beings. This is a really significant issue. And so you get no credit whatsoever in the fact that you are saved. It's not anything to do with the fact that you, you have a greater spiritual understanding or you, 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 you've read the Bible. Look, you're saved because of the grace of Jesus Christ. All right, and let me tell you something, and that's why you understand the love of God. When you navigate this lost world and you see people who are lost, I want you to understand something. There's no difference between you and them except the blood of Jesus Christ. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. And so when you understand this, the spirit of love comes out in your heart. Well, God, how did you do this for me? Lord, you did this to me, I'm a miserable human being. Lord, tell me what you want me to do, how you want me to save, serve in every possible way. And then you understand how God wants you to work. And so this is important to understand this whole issue of love and the fruit of the spirit. It's so poignant, so poignant. Uh, now, when we dig down deeper, I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Beginning with verse 1. And what the point I'm going to do here is I'm showing that the love of God uh, is so great and so unmerited. This proves the unmerited nature of, the, of God's love. Verse two ver- uh, chapter two, verse one. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world, and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, and that's Satan. The spirit who is now at work, in those who are disobedient all of us lived among them at one time gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts how do you like that that phraseology living based on the cravings of your sinful nature just satisfying your flesh what can I do to take care of me 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 I I elevating the I, the ego you see it all there Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. We were by nature objects of wrath. What does it mean? It means that before you were saved, you were at war with God. Oh, I I never felt like I was at war with God. No, you were at war. Because you see, you refuse to accept him as your Lord and Savior. And God sees the world very clearly in black and white. You're either with God and accept Jesus Christ or you're outside of his will. And so what it means is we are enemies of God until God in his mercy and grace brings us into the family of God through Jesus Christ. That's what happens and that's what we're talking about. Like the rest, we were... Like the rest, we were by nature objects of of wrath. Verse 4. But because of his great love for us, underline it, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. There it is. It is by grace that you have been saved and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. It is by grace you have been saved through faith and this, not from yourself, it is the gift of God Not by work so that no one can boast. Anybody say it better than that? Is there any doubt? Any confusion? You understand exactly what this is about. So God loved you when you were unlovable. Now think about that. Here you are, effectively outside of his will, uh, at enmity with God, an enemy of God, and yet God determined that you would become part of the family of God in his grace. That is the love of God. It is transforming. He takes you as this unlovable uh, enemy, and instantaneously, in his transforming love, changes you into a child of the kingdom. And so forevermore, when he looks at you and sees you, he sees you as a righteous person. Oh, but you're not really righteous. You understand? I'm going to give you a clue. I know we go to church. We're here all the time. But you're not really righteous. But you see, he sees you through the prism of Jesus Christ. That's what this is about. That's what the nature of love is. And so because you become part of the family of God, he looks at you, he sees you through the prism of Jesus Christ, and through the prism of Jesus Christ, you are righteous. How about an amen on that one? All right? So you see this whole unmerited aspect of the, of the love of God. Completely unmerited. And this is important for you because as you walk in this world and you reflect on the fact that his love was unmerited to you, you begin to think about what your obligation is to others. To give that love back, to show that love um, in so many ways. I want you to turn to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, I'm sorry, yes, verse 8, Verse. we'll start with verse 6, and the point of this that I'm trying to show you now is the transformative, the transformative aspect of God's love. Verse 6, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. I doubt that. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, God, Christ died for us. There it is. While you were still sinners, Christ died for you. Look also in the same chapter now, um, and in verse 5 showing us again the aspect of love I'm talking about God it says and hope does not disappoint us because God poured out his love into our hearts by the holy spirit who has given us whom he has given us and so you see the aspect the unchangeable aspect of God i want you also to look at romans chapter 8 romans chapter 8 And now we're going to talk about the unchangeable, the unchangeable, immutable aspect of the love of God. Romans 8, verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? This is one of the great series of verses uh, in all of literature and certainly in the Bible. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. That pretty much covers every possible evil circumstance. What can separate you from the love of God? Can any of these issues, any of these troubles, any of this suffering, any of this persecution, as it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep. To be slaughtered. No. Verse 37. No. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Underline that. More than conquerors in him who loved us. For I am convinced. And put this on your refrigerator. I am convinced that neither death nor life. Neither angels nor demons. Neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. Folks, one of the greatest verses in the history of the world. For those of you who sit here and, and w- worry day to day about losing your salvation... Brother and sister, I want to tell you, I love you. Read the Bible. Does it look like you can walk away? Does it look like you can lose this? God has sealed you with his spirit. There's nothing that can take you away from the love of God. Not even you yourself, okay? Not even you yourself. You are sealed with the spirit of God. And when I read these verses, my spirit soars. I see the love of God is so profound and so deep. Look at the list of the neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation, neither anything else in all creation. There is not a single thing in the universe of any kind, of any make, of anything that can separate you from the will of God, from the love of God. Well, nothing of it, nothing else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is Christ Jesus our Lord. This is unbelievable when you understand the love of God that he has for you, what he has given you that resides in your heart. It's in you. This love is in you. And so this is understanding the role of the Holy Spirit. That you, as you you begin to understand, God, I never knew this. I didn't have a full understanding of how great your love was, Lord. I know I'm saved, but I didn't really understand the articulation of it. And now when I read your word, it comes alive in me and I see it. And so he's given you this to empower you. And let me explain something to you about understanding the love of God that is within you. And understanding the depth of this. When you truly come to understand this and the Holy Spirit gives you wisdom and this begins to grow in your heart, you will find that you will be looking for ways to extend the will of God to other people. It may not even make sense to you, but you will see that when you see someone that's hurting, you'll want to help them. You see someone that's down, you'll want to raise them up. You need someone that's depressed, you'll want to affirm them. you want to encourage them. You will go places and do things that you will never understand. There is no explanation, humanly so, of why these things happen, except it is the manifestation of the love of God in the fruit of the Spirit in your heart. And I'm going to give you a personal testimony on this. When God called me to teach and to preach, uh, which was now really about 17, 16 or 17 years ago, um, and called me against anything that I honestly wanted, really. Uh, I've told you the story that even when I sat uh, in this class, as a member of this class, I would sit at the very back wall. If they had a wall behind the back wall, I would sit in that wall. I didn't speak, I didn't want to raise my voice, I didn't want to do anything in any way to identify who I was except be a regular, simple person in the class. I had spent a lifetime in church. I had seen my father and mother give everything. I had spent 40 years as the church organist. And frankly, I told you that some of the worst things that had happened to me, happened to me in my exit from church, as I saw people be unspeakably cruel. And so I determined, I'm done. I'm done, God. I know this is it. You, you know, I'm done. And so that's the perspective that you, you, you have to understand. No ambition. No ambition. Now, I know you hear people that you see and you go, whoa, that guy's got a lot of ambition. Well, let me clue you. I have zero. I have zero ambition. Even today, I have zero ambition. It's what God wants. And so here I am. And so finally, God, in his way, meets me and speaks to me in a way that I never expected it. I told you that it was that mentally challenged girl that I'm reflecting in church uh, back in the year 2000. The church is 45 minutes ahead of time. I'm in there and and meditating. Linda and I are in the dark church. There's nobody there. 2,000 empty seats. And a woman comes in with a mentally challenged 16-year-old, about the same age as my son at that time, And I see this woman and I go, Oh, dear God, Lord, help that lady. She's going to have to take care of that child even after she's gone. And this is now weighing on my heart. And this is how the Holy Spirit works. You understand? You don't even know it. This is how the Holy Spirit works. And as I'm in this prayerful state of Lord convicting, this lady proceeds to walk down this darkened aisle of the church. All the way down, I'm halfway in the back, and sits behind us. Sits behind us. There's 2,000 empty seats. All right? 2,000 empty seats. And with that, she sits down, another woman comes over. This is 45 minutes before church, and a woman comes over and says, hey, I just want you to know, our church has a Sunday school for special needs children. My own son has special needs, and this woman goes, oh, yes, yes. My daughter is a committed Christian. And with that, this 16- or 17-year-old mentally challenged young girl said, these words. Oh yes, I love Jesus. He's my personal Savior. Oh my God, are you kidding me? What? Why are you kidding me? It was at that moment that Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, took a sword and plunged it through my heart. And I'm telling you as clear as I can tell you that I clearly heard these words in my head. You see? You can speak in courtrooms all over America, and I have never once heard you say those words publicly about me. Are you kidding me? It took a number of years for me to be able to talk about this without crying. I knew immediately, okay, I got the message. Somehow, you want me to publicly talk about Jesus, the very thing I didn't want to do. I saw my father for 55 years preaching a pulpit. I saw that kind of life. I knew what it was like. Here he is relying on a free will offering, going week to week. We lived just above the poverty line. I slept in the kitchen till I was 18 years old. I didn't want that. I didn't want that. All right. Yes, I love Jesus, but I wanted to love him from the back row. Can you identify with that? I wanted to love them from the back row. Yes, I love them. Let me be in the back row, Lord. I'll write checks. I'll play the organ. No, 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 no. No, that's not the deal, John. That's not the deal. I expect you to speak publicly about me. Oh, my God, Lord. Now you want to know how the Holy Spirit works? You want to see how it works? That's what I mean about the Holy Spirit in your life. Now here's the deal. Once that happened in my life, I noticed that as I turned over my life to him, and I said this from that day forward, if you want me to do this, you bring it to me and I'll do it. That's basically what I said. You want me to do this, you bring it to me, I will submit. But I will not go and seek it, because I don't want my personal ambition or my personality in any way to be involved in this. Because I know how I am. I'm a type A personality. All right? Uh, And and I will wreck this. So if this is your will, you will bring it to me. And so it took a couple of years, you understand. A couple of years in submission understanding this. Okay, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. Where's it going to come? I'm waiting for a meteor to come into the room, you know? Where's the message? It's not coming in. But while this is happening, I'm being ground down. And one of the things that I would say to people in the choir is that the choir in this church, the music in this church, at certain, certain uh, hymns, would be so poignant to me at this point in my life, after God spoke to me like this, that I could not stop Crying. I would be there as the hymns would come in and tears would stream down my face. Now, that's not a very attractive thing to be a guy that's six foot two, uh, my size, and have tears streaming down his face. What kind of a man are you? And it got to the point where I'd have to say to the choir people, don't look at me while you're singing. (laughs) Don't look at me. It's distracting. You think I want to do this? You understand? You think this is something I'm manufacturing? It's the last thing in the world I want. But it was the Holy Spirit that is taking me and grinding me down and making me submissive and preparing me for the next stage in life. The next stage in life. And so a couple of years goes by, the Holy Spirit is working. Working, moving, preparing. I thought he wanted me to do X. No, he didn't. That didn't work out. I thought he wanted me to do Y. No, that didn't happen. Finally, one day, one day, and I've told this story someplace else, one day I'm at the Port Royal Club, and a guy from this church who's also lived in Port Royal sees me at the Port Royal Club and said, Hey, you go to church with me in First Baptist. I never met him before in my life. I said, Really? Yes, I've seen you. How about you and me starting a Bible study in Port Royal? Now, here's the thing. What would the normal John Garippa do? The normal John Garippa would use uh, weasel church language. (laughs) You understand weasel church language? Can we all say it together? Let me pray about it. church weasel language. You know what it means. By the way, can I get an amen on that? What does it mean? It means this, no. But I'll wait a couple weeks and let you know that I prayed about it, and then I'll give you a real no, right? But here's what the Holy Spirit did. You see that I was so prepared, waiting. When he said, how about you and me, I went, yes, just like this, yes, it was so different than anything else I'd ever done. Yes, 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 yes. Why? It is because I had given in into the Holy Spirit's movement in my life. This is what this lesson is about, to understand that, to let you know that. Now, I, want you to, I don't want you to think that this, this road is then real smooth and then here it comes, you know, nine or ten years later and here we are, there's 350 people here and 200 people. in No, it doesn't work like that. Because, all right, here's, here it is. Here's how it is. Okay, God, this is what you want. I finally got it. All right, so you want me to start a Bible study in Port Royal. As I said to people later, uh, uh, God appeared to me And he gave me a choice. I could either go to Africa or start a Bible study in Port Royal. (laughs) And I took the more difficult choice. (laughs) So I decide, let me send out 250 postcards. This is God's will after all, right? Let me blanket the area downtown, letting them know that there's a Bible study coming to Port Royal. Not one person responded. Not one! One poor lady called me and said if her husband were alive, she would have dragged him down. (laughs) (laughs) And there's some people in this room that were in the house in those early days, and they can tell you they know what I'm talking about. So what does it mean? It means that even in that moment when the Holy Spirit Is emboldening me that all of a sudden I go, okay, good, good, I got it. Let me take this, God. I got it. Thanks. This is now let give it to me. I'll take the ball from here on in. All right. And I send the postcards and it collapses. It's because God was demonstrating, John, this isn't your Bible study, it's mine. It's not your Bible study. It's mine. You just serve me and submit to me, bow your head. I'll take care of it and there it is and there it is Uh, and and that's how the Holy Spirit works and so how did it start it started with five guys in the kitchen in the kitchen five people in the kitchen all right oh I had grand visions of how I was gonna be used you understand maybe I'll be the president of some large parachurch thing after all come on look at my background oh yeah I've got grand visions no no John put your face in the dust five guys in your kitchen Start with these five guys. all right? All right? Five, 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50. Got up to 50 people in the house, and then the streets were clogged with cars. And then I didn't want to be a, a, an obstacle to my neighbors. I was afraid that they would start thinking evil things of me uh, because I was blocking the, ha- the streets. So somebody, one of the guys offered an office building and we moved to there. And then a warehouse and now we're at the Naples Conference Center. All because I had bowed to the will of the Holy Spirit in my life. Now, I'm not telling you this to raise me up. If anything, I'm telling you this to put my face in the dust, but I'm telling you this to teach you a critical element of what the Holy Spirit is about. You have within you the love of God who has saved you. You have the Holy Spirit who has dispensed fully all of these gifts. And now God expects you to love the world. Turn to John 13. John 13, as we close. John 13, verse 35. A new command, verse 34, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Love one another. Not just love the guy in the pew next to you. Not just love the people in your BLG or the people in the church. Love the world. Dispense love to a lost world the same way that God dispensed love to you and called you into the family of God. Amen? Amen. We'll continue this next week. Bring the outlines. Let's bow in prayer. Father, Lord Jesus, I thank you for this lesson. Lord, I thank you for your love for the fact that you saved us and you've given us Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord, to have a greater understanding of the extent of this love, this divine love that transforms and changes us and is with us forever, Lord. Help us to bring this type of love to a lost world, to mirror you, Father, in every way. Lord, bless our people, protect them this week, and bring them safely back next week to continue the study of your word. We put all of this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. God bless you.